You're listening to the Urban Ed Podcast, brought to you by Georgia State University's College of Education and Human Development. Atlanta is no stranger to the business of sports and entertainment. It's home to four professional sports teams, the Atlanta Braves, Atlanta Hawks, Atlanta Falcons, and Atlanta Dream, and several arenas, ballparks, and stadiums dotted throughout the city's urban landscape, including Phillips Arena, Turner Field, Georgia Dome, and two new state-of-the-art facilities, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and SunTrust Park, both expected to open in 2017. Some say these venues improve the neighborhoods surrounding them through economic development, while others argue that they contribute to the displacement of low-income residents and increase traffic, pollution, and crime. On today's episode of the Urban Ed Podcast, I'm excited to talk with Dr. Timothy Callison, an assistant professor in the college's Department of Kinesiology and Health and director of the newly launched Sport and Urban Policy Initiative, a research forum that studies the ways sports interferes with urban spaces. Thank you so much for joining me today, Tim. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So before we get into the initiative, I just want to talk to you about your background and what sparked your research interest in public stadiums and how they influence urban regional planning. Yeah, well, I've uh, always been captivated by stadiums, even at an early age. I grew up in northeast Ohio, just across the river from Pennsylvania, about 90 minutes from Pittsburgh. And I was and still very much am uh, one of the biggest Penguins fans, which is the (laughs) hockey team in Pittsburgh. And uh, they're doing great now, but that wasn't always the case. Uh, In the late 90s, the Penguins were struggling as a team and really as a business. Mm -hmm. They're playing in one of the oldest uh, arenas in, in the NHL. And the team argued that they needed one of those new flashy uh, state-of-the-art facilities like we're getting in, in Atlanta right. uh, to keep them on par with the rest of the team's leagues. And meanwhile, the pro football and baseball teams in Pittsburgh, the Steelers and the Pirates, they just gotten brand new sparkly stadiums, which were built in part by the people of Pittsburgh, mm. or at least using their money. <laughs> um, so when the Penguins went to City Hall to ask for help for their own arena, they didn't get the same support. And over the next few years, the team filed for bankruptcy, threatened to relocate to another city. And as a kid during all this, all I could think of is how unfair life was and, uh, you know, that the city wasn't supporting the Penguins. And ultimately they did, uh, but it was a few years after that. And uh, that was a dark time for me mm-hmm. in my life. Okay. <laughs> uh, but since then, I've grown up a bit. Uh, I went to college and then graduate school and researched and worked alongside experts who really understood the, the real relationships between pro sports teams and their cities. And I have a different view now of the Penguins Arena situation. I'm definitely glad they're still in Pittsburgh, but I see things from a, a bigger and a clearer picture now. Okay. So what was your motivation for forming the Sport and Urban Policy Initiative? Yeah, so one of the things researchers grapple with, I think, or at least I do, is figuring out how the work that we do uh, can be accessed by the public at large. Uh, we publish in academic journals that are jargony uh, and aren't always easy to find. Mm -hmm. We go to conferences and present in front of our peers, but really there's no one else there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the goal with this initiative is to break up the disconnect we tend to have with the public. We want to use the initiative as a resource uh, for Landons, for Georgians, and so on. And so we really have kind of three main purposes for the Sport and Urban Policy Initiative. Uh, One's to basically research the relationship between sport and urban communities. Uh, Then we want to enhance public understanding of those relationships. And lastly, to inform policymaking. And when you compare these goals with Georgia State's strategic plan, you really see a great deal of overlap. 
uh, in particular, the goal of uh, focusing on um, understanding the complex challenges of cities and developing solutions. Uh, that's really foundational to our mission here. Mm-hmm. Yes, because obviously Georgia State is a downtown urban campus, mm-hmm. and it's definitely core to their mission. So the initiative has three focus areas, environmental sustainability, stadiums and development, and community engagement. Why did you choose these specific topics? Yeah, so each of these three areas, they're really illustrative of the way uh, sport interacts with urban spaces. And so, uh, you know, when it comes to environmental sustainability, one of its specific challenges relates to how built environments can be designed and managed more efficiently to improve uh, really urban environmental quality mm-hmm. uh, and the quality of life of folks living around uh, arenas and in cities in general. And in recent years, uh, one of the ways in which many have suggested that the sports industry might have a significant role there is by participating in pro-environmental initiatives. Um, you know, on the topic of public stadiums and urban development, mm-hmm. pretty much every stadium development worldwide, the construction of a new state-of-the-art facility uh, also comes with the promise of economic development, enhanced livability, uh, enhanced vibrancy in the neighborhoods around the venue. But as has been uh, well established in in the literature and the research that we've done uh, to date, stadium issues are often you know the subject of significant debate uh, among citizens and policymakers. They'll deliberate over the cost over the financing, over the location of these stadiums, and they'll do that at public hearings and the media. And occasionally at the ballot box, uh, within these conversations is the question of urban renewal. Like, you know, how does a new downtown stadium create jobs and spur economic growth? Uh, Another question that pops up relates to displacement. So if you're building a new stadium downtown, what happens to those in the nearby neighborhoods uh, who are commonly poor and uh, or racial minorities? Um, You know, answers to these questions have clear implications for addressing uh, those unique and complex challenges that f- that we face in cities like Atlanta and, and pretty much cities worldwide. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, lastly, we know that major collegiate and professional sports teams are connected in their cities, and as a result, many organizations are actively engaging in their communities by doing things like establishing foundations, holding neighborhood camps and clinics, or providing support for local programs or projects. And if they're managed correctly, uh, they can be an effective means of community building and civic engagement. But on the other hand, if they're done badly, uh, it can result in unsuccessful programming. And so basically each of the topics represents a unique way to explore the link between sport and cities. Okay. Could you explain the purpose of Stadia Track and how it can be used? Yeah. So uh, in the past, I've found it difficult to get good information about things like the number of stadiums that have been used uh, or have been built using taxpayer revenue, or how often a stadium referendum occurs, or just even how many stadiums are built uh, with an environmental focus. Mm. Or when I've read reports on that stuff, I've, you know, they're often wrong, or, um, you know, there's some inaccuracy in them. And since much of the research coming out of the initiative relates to stadiums, we've worked to develop an online repository for stadium-related data, which we call StadiaTrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, the purpose of StadiaTrack is to provide a whole bunch of folks, researchers, policymakers, members of the public, ordinary citizens, uh, with a knowledge base of stadium-related information that is accessible, uh, comprehensive, reliable, and transparent. 
And so it includes three different data sets. The first list, every North American professional sports stadium that has received public funding since 2005. This amounts to more than $22 billion of uh, cost, and the public cost on that's uh, at about $11 billion. Um, the second contains information about the 13 public votes that have been held on stadium cases since the year 2000. And the takeaway there is that uh, even though a vast majority of stadium projects receive some amount of public funding, uh, votes by local citizens are still pretty rare. Mm-hmm. And so some of the research... Uh, at the initiative, hones in on what that might mean for cities and the democratic process. And uh, the last list on Stadia Track simply uh, provides, um, you know, uh, the growing number of major sports stadiums that have been recognized for their green designs. And this includes facilities used uh, for Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, uh, the NCAA, and the FIFA World Cup. What are the key outcomes you hope to achieve through the initiative? Well, uh, we certainly hope that folks utilize StadiaTrack. Uh, we've tried to make it intuitive and user-friendly. Everything can be sorted by league. It's continuously updated. And we provide references for how we arrived at all of our figures. Uh, but beyond that, I go back to one of the primary purposes of the initiative, which is to really enhance public understanding of the relationship between sport and urban communities. Um, and that means we can't just publish esoteric research and hard-to-find journals. Instead, we plan to utilize... Uh, a strong web and social media presence. We want to engage in local outreach through public speaking engagements, uh, talking uh, to and with neighborhood forums. We want to form partnerships with local teams and organizations. And uh, lastly, we want to get our students involved in research that centers around these topics like environmental sustainability, the social implications of sport, and the ways in which uh, sports organizations can really do better at community engagement. You recently published an article in the Journal of Sustainability Education entitled Go Green for the Home Team, Sense of Place and Environmental Sustainability in Sport. Could you share some examples of how sports organizations are engaging their fans in activities to reduce their environmental impact while at games? Sure. Uh, So when we talk about the sustainable design of sports stadiums, much of it really is uh, supposed to be invisible to uh, the ordinary fan experience. And so when we think of green facilities, we usually look for physical signs like recycling bins or solar panels or wind turbines. Uh, but sustainable design really starts with the actual location of the stadium. Uh, is it close to public transportation? Are there carpooling in, uh, incentives? Then we look at water efficiency, things like water conservation and restrooms and rainwater harvesting. Mm -hmm. We look at energy use and atmosphere, the materials and resources used uh, when they construct these stadiums, uh, environmental quality uh, inside the stadium, other innovations in design and operations like uh, the use of compostable cups. And again, for the most part, you don't really notice this stuff unless you're looking for it. Uh, but sports teams are starting to understand that it's important for fans to see them as environmental, uh, environmentally friendly, as forward-thinking, uh, as socially responsible. And so when you go to a game now, you might see signs that a ballpark is LEED certified, mm-hmm. which is sort of the gold standard for pro-environmental facilities right now. Uh, you might see promotional videos on the scoreboard about some of the team's eco-friendly initiatives. When you go to toss out your beer cup or hot dog wrapper, you won't just see one big plastic garbage can anymore. You'll have to sort it by what's recyclable, Mm -hmm. what's compostable, Mm -hmm. and uh, what's going to the landfill. 
Okay. Um, and luckily, uh, to build on the research we're already doing on the topic, we're excited to have a brand new case study to explore beginning in 2017 with the opening of the Falcons' new stadium. Uh, the Falcons, and by extension, the Georgia World Congress Center, have been leaders in environmental sustainability. And, uh, you know, we think with the new stadium, uh, they're really going to be able to showcase what's possible when it comes to environmental stewardship. Mm-hmm. So I was recently uh, reading an article in the AJC about the future plans of the Georgia Dome site. Um, As some folks may or may not know, it will be torn down once the new uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium is complete. Mm -hmm. So some would like it to be a park, while others see more value in building a hotel um, because it's attached to the Georgia World Congress Center. Mm What do you think would be the best use of that space? Yeah, uh, well, certainly I understand you know the the wide range of perspectives mm-hmm. and interests uh, when it comes to the dome. And when it was first built, there was plenty of talk about how it would promote economic growth, uh, how it would support the West Side neighborhoods that surrounded the stadium. And uh, you know, it's not the first time those conversations took place. Similar conversations took place. Uh, uh, around Turner Field, mm-hmm. uh, which was built for the Olympics back in '96, and you know its predecessor, um, and like Turner Field, you know the the promise of growth hasn't really happened, mm-hmm. uh, and so for folks in Vine City and English Avenue, you know they have the right to have pause, I think, or even be frustrated about the new project's ability to help them. Uh, so to me, the key is to create a space that connects the neighborhoods with the rest of the city rather than cutting them off. And, um, you know, what that will look like, I'm not sure, but I know for this to happen, planners need to work with neighborhood associations and advocate groups to really develop a mutually beneficial concept. And that doesn't mean just consulting with them or holding a public meeting. It means truly involving them in the conversation about how the stadium and the surrounding developments can best serve the local community. And, you know, in the past, we haven't always been good at doing that. And that's not just an Atlanta problem. That's been a problem everywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how can someone learn more about the initiative and how to get involved? Yeah, so anyone interested in the Sport and Urban Policy Initiative can check us out in a couple different places, starting with our website at kh.education.gsu.edu slash SUPI. Or if that was too many dots for you, <laughs> you can always go to www.stadiatrack.com. That's S-T-A-D-I-A-T-R-A-C-K.com. Finally, follow us on Twitter. You can be our first uh, <laughs> of hopefully many yes. on Twitter. We're at uh, S-U-P-I underscore G-S-U. Awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we end our conversation? Uh, no, I just, um, I'm really excited about uh, the launch of the initiative. Um, we have uh, some great folks who have been helping us out. Uh, my co-director, Beth Sanfrone, has been instrumental. Uh, we're really excited about the launch. And then we certainly appreciate the dean's support and uh, you know, our department chair, Mark Giles, support um, in, in helping make this happen. So, uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Urban Ed Podcast, brought to you by Georgia State University's College of Education and Human Development. If you like today's show, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or you can follow us on SoundCloud. For more information about the college's graduate programs, please visit education.gsu.edu.